In 2014, Blake Garvey became Australia's most hated man. As Bachelor, he proposed to Sam Frost in the finale episode. Within weeks, they'd split, and a month after that, he had moved on with the show's second runner-up, Louise Pillage. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Hello, Zara McDonald. Hello, Michelle Andrews. I mean, in terms of Australian scandals, how can we go past this one? We truly can't. I mean, we were thinking about what we could do when it comes to local stories on scandal, and Blake Garvey's name must have been the first or second to come to our minds. Yeah, and we wanted to drop it this week because, as we know, The Bachelorette has just aired. So people are talking about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and the franchise, and we thought, what better way to remind the listeners of the biggest Bachelor scandal? to hit the franchise. Yeah. Also, we've just seen Sam Frost go through the biggest controversy of her career so far with the anti-vaxxer narrative. We've spoke about that on an episode of Shameless, if you want to run down of that before you listen to this. It just seems like this theme is everywhere right now and we want to talk about it. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Let's rewind back to August 2014 to season number two of The Bachelor. All right, Zara, we are back in August 2014. Channel 10 has just launched its second season of The Bachelor Australia. Our Bachelor in 2014 was, of course, 31-year-old Blake Garvey, who was a very smooth-talking auctioneer from Perth. Yeah, so Blake is the first non-white bachelor in Australia and he is part African-American. Now, this actually draws attention in the US because the US form of the bachelor was notoriously very, very white. They actually, at this point in time, had only had one non-white bachelor in the show's 12-year history. It's also a really important context here, Mish, to note that the first season of The Bachelor Australia was an absolute roaring success. Not only did the season finale draw one 1.186 million viewers and beat out all the other programs for the most watched program of the night. But the show did result in that very beautiful romance between Tim and Anna. Yeah. And looking at that ratings figure kind of feels very foreign to me now when it comes to the Bachelor franchise. I think we've seen so many back-to-back seasons experience falling ratings that to think that 1.1 million people, 1.1 million Australians tuned into the finale is a very long way away from what we're used to with the franchise now. Yeah, exactly. And Tim and Anna are still together as well. So I think Australia feel very invested in that relationship and very much did at this point in time when we were coming around for a second season. I mean, you can only imagine with all of that in mind the kind of pressure that existed for producers to pick not just a bachelor that the country was going to love but a bunch of contestants where there was real potential for these people to fall in love. Mm. The show in Australia has always billed itself as a show that wants people to fall in love. Yes, It's always been a bit about drama, but the show has always stood back and said, no, we match people up and we encourage people to fall in love. Yeah, and I think certainly with season two of The Bachelor Australia, they did lean into that. We are different to The Bachelor US. In the US version of the show, contestants get a little frisky with each other on the fantasy suite episode or round. We don't have that. We're very much kind of like 
Catholic here in Australia yes. where we're like, no sex before you propose that you love each other for the rest of your lives. We're very PG-13. Exactly. Speaking to news.com a few weeks after Blake was announced as the season's Bachelor, host Osher Gunsberg said, and I quote, he's really genuinely wanting to find someone to spend the rest of his life with, which is really nice. It's lovely to see him coming into the show with that pure intention. I love that that article described Blake Garvey as a love-starved <laughs> hunk. But I do believe this. Like, Back when The Bachelor started, I do believe, knowing what we knew about the show then, that people genuinely were going on here to find love. Yes, for a bit of a wild experience, but to find love as well. Yeah, that's fair enough. The second season of The Bachelor did have a disappointing debut episode, though. It came fourth in its time slot. So a massive slide from season one. It drew in an audience of just 629,000 Metro viewers failed to make the top 10 programs for the night despite the extremely heavy promo that Channel 10 put into the show. Yeah, exactly. The show actually did pick up momentum and the finale episodes did receive well over a million viewers each, which is a really interesting insight, isn't it? Mm. That people may not have been invested from the very start, but it is a pretty easy show to catch up on. Sam Frost, who was then a 25-year-old marketing assistant, quickly became the clear favourite in this show. Throughout the season, she got the most solo dates with Blake. She also scored the most roses on those dates, meaning she didn't have to sit through as many of the rose ceremonies feeling all nervous as much as the other women. Yeah, one of the other top women was Louise Pillage, a 26-year-old event planner back then. She was a front runner from the very beginning as well. In the first episode, she started off really strong. She scored one of two first impression roses. I love that this show comes up with something unique every year. I'm pretty sure last year was like a key to my heart or some (laughs) bullshit. So she did score a few solo dates with Blake as well. Then there was a lot of competition in eventual runner-up Lisa Hyde. Lisa Hyde was really renowned as like a golden girl on the show as well. Yeah, exactly. So even though Louise did pretty well throughout the season, it wasn't a huge surprise. I remember watching this. It wasn't a huge surprise when she was booted off the show just before the season finale, making her the second runner-up. She hadn't been framed as someone... Who was going on to win this thing? No, she'd been framed as bronze medal, I think, because we did have our eventual two finalists, Lisa Hyde and Sam Frost. I remember these two were like very close on the show. So it also had that dynamic of, oh, wow, they both really love the same man and they both really love each other in a platonic way, which was interesting. The finale for season two was filmed in South Africa back in a time where the show had bigger budgets than it does now. How incredible is that? So it's October 2, 2014, and this episode airs. It's the finale of season two of The Bachelor. It's a Thursday night, of course, like it always is. And there is like this 11th hour declaration of love from Lisa, who at that point had remained pretty guarded about her feelings towards Blake, but it is all in vain because Blake tells Lisa that she is not the one for him. It's always really heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, he goes to meet Sam Frost by the water, who is dressed in like a silver sparkly dress. To set the scene, she is standing in the middle of these arching totems encircled with plants, flowers and a fence made of branches cut to different heights. Behind her, a leg runs through the South African desert. There are mountains peeking through the mist off in the distance. Very movie-esque. It's really beautiful. Like the setting itself is really, really beautiful. So Blake walks up. He's wearing like this powder blue kind of grey suit. His shirt is casually unbuttoned. And this is what he says to her. I felt a lot of love on this journey. 
but I've only been in love with one person. And Sam, that person is you. I love you, Sam. I love you so much. So much, so much, so much. And I love everything about you. Everything about your life. Everything about who you are. I always want you by my side. Sam, I only have one final question for you. Samantha Frost. Will you marry me? This moment when he got down on one knee and actually proposed, I was like, I was shook, shook at home. I couldn't believe that we were seeing a proposal between two people who hadn't even been out to have sex yet. Yeah, it was really interesting because it wasn't really something I was expecting to see on The Australian Bachelor. The US Bachelor is something that they do from time to time is just propose out of nowhere. But in Australia, I was like, really? This ring as well, it was a $58,000 engagement ring from Bunda. And I don't think at the time I grasped how expensive or how big that is. I just knew nothing about engagement rings. But that ring, not only was it big and was it expensive, people didn't love the engagement rings from Bunda, did they? Well, I'm trying to remember what the ring actually looked like. Do you remember it? No, not at all. Uh, I only remember the most famous ring is the one that Sam Wood gave Snajana. Right. Okay, guys. Not my particular taste. If you're curious and you're listening along at home and you can't get onto Google, it's basically like a square, a big square diamond surrounded by tiny little diamonds all around the outside with a silver band. Looks extremely expensive. It looks incredibly expensive. So Sam obviously says yes to the engagement and the real kicker is when Blake goes on to say, I have never been more sure of anything ever. I have no doubts no doubts in my mind, you are the one for me. <gasps> By this point, it goes without saying the Bachelor AU is trending on Australian Twitter. Everyone is losing their tiny minds. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's the most interesting thing about this. We said before the season one finale of The Bachelor Australia got 1.1 million viewers, but the season two finale drew an audience of almost 1.4 million, which is an incredible build-up from that pretty lacklustre premiere. Now, you might be thinking straight up, where's that increase coming from? But it turns out on the day that this finale was airing, it was so clear that something was in the water, wasn't there? Something was up. And I think a whole bunch of people, particularly in the media, were scrambling to figure out what exactly was wrong, what had gone awry, because out of nowhere, Channel 10 kind of pulls all of Blake Garvey and Sam Frost's media commitments. And this all happened the day before the finale. So suddenly you've got this, yes, season that maybe didn't outperform the one before it for the majority of episodes, but you have this huge curiosity and huge intrigue as to what the hell happens either in the final episode or after the final episode to cause this radio silence from Channel 10. I remember so well where I was as well. I was in Byron Bay with my sister at the time and we were lying on the beach when we were reading the news that all of the media commitments for both The Bachelor and his 
eventual winner had been cancelled mm. and we were like, what the fuck is going on? Like I just remember there being a lot of hype around this episode, a lot of intrigue and people couldn't wait to watch it. Now, of course, as we know, the next day rumours are confirmed Blake and Sam had split after the engagement finale. I'm just trying to like send myself back <laughs> to this time. Imagine sort of having the, that intrigue going into the episode, watching the episode and seeing the engagement, but watching the engagement thinking, oh, I don't think these two are together anymore. Yeah, particularly when you have some of those lines, like the ones we played before about, I have never been more sure of anything ever. I have no doubts, no doubts in my mind. You are the one for me. You feel like you have a bit of whiplash when you figure out, actually, there probably <laughs> was more than one doubt in the relationship. So the finale airs on Thursday night by Friday afternoon. Afternoon, Network 10 releases this statement. Network 10 can confirm that Blake and Sam have sadly ended their engagement. When Blake proposed to Sam in South Africa, he did so because he had genuinely fallen in love with her. He was excited to start a life with Sam and was very much looking forward to their future together. Unfortunately, not all relationships are meant to be and feelings invariably change. Once Blake returned to his everyday life, he realised that they both wanted different things from a relationship and had different priorities. Now, dare I say, I think that statement's pretty shoddily worded. If I was the PR team at Channel 10... I think there would be some regrets about that. In what way? I think it takes too much of the stance of Blake. There's no Sam in there. There's no saying like Blake and Sam have split, one party is heartbroken or Sam. I don't know. It just seems to be very Blake and very like like making excuses for him where I'm not sure that's the person the network necessarily wants to be throwing their weight behind. I don't think so. It makes the network look a little silly. I know, but I think this is their job. In this scenario when things have happened so quickly – All they have to do, to be honest, the person that's contracted them the most is Blake. So he is going to be the centre of this. I don't, I think it was all happening so fast and I don't think they would have had much idea about what was to come. So in the moment, this seems like a pretty fair statement. It took only five weeks for them to go from engaged to broken up. And so this was the time where the show was airing in Australia and this was all happening behind closed doors. Understandably and initially, the press were not happy with Blake at all. They called him, though, Australia's most hated man, which couldn't have been easy for Blake to stomach at all. The Cairns Post wrote on the Saturday following the finale, so just two days later, what a love rat. Is Blake Garvey the most hated man in Australia right now? The advertiser wrote he is fast becoming the nation's most hated bloke. I mean, the press is pretty hyperbolic, but... I just don't think you can quite capture how invested Australians were in this storyline. Yeah, not at all. All weekend, the rumour mill was going into overdrive as to what exactly had happened. The first rumour, which I remember being really strong, was that when the couple had sat down to watch episodes of The Bachelor as it was airing in real time, Sam really struggled with seeing her now fiancé kissing and being affectionate with other women. That was quickly thrown out for some more intense rumours, Zara. Yeah, exactly. So that same weekend, Kyle and Jackie O said that they had received a barrage of calls from different sources saying that Blake Garvey had got one of the other girls pregnant. 
Now, this rumour was so strong that runner-up Lisa Hyde actually had to jump on Instagram and captioned a photo, I am definitely not pregnant with Blake's baby. (laughs) Come the following Monday. So by this point, October 6th, Channel 10 is suddenly trying to capitalise off the failed romance and salvage the cancelled media tour as best it can. I think this is when they kind of flipped. They went, right, we really can't defend Blake anymore. We need to play like more of a... I don't know, supportive role to the women at the heart of this story. They organised an interview with Blake and Sam on Channel 10's own new show, The Project. This was a pretty iconic interview, wasn't it? So rather than have that lovey-dovey couple interview that we are very used to seeing now with couples straight after they come off the show, Carrie Bickmore sits down with Sam and Blake, but very separately. So they are not in the same room at all. Sam comes across as pretty heartbroken. I feel like some of that vision and some of those quotes will be seared into the memories of a lot of people that watched that interview. So in this interview, Blake actually told Carrie that five weeks after the Bachelor finale, we met up in person and just talked it over as anyone would in that situation. When you have that time together and you feel it's not quite right, you listen to your heart. It's hard because I do love Sam and she's just a beautiful person. Sam Frost had a different version of events. She said straight to Carrie Bickmore and the cameras that as soon as filming for The Bachelor stopped, Blake Garvey completely changed. She said that immediately after he had proposed to her, Blake seemed, and I quote, a bit emotional and a bit upset. I let him have his time and distance. When they got back to Australia, she said, as soon as the cameras stopped rolling, he just switched off. Yeah, exactly. She also said, I am so annoyed that he proposed. When he called it off, I said, how dare you propose to me? How dare you take that moment from me? I want to believe in it. And he kind of took that away from me. He made me feel like this was going to happen. I think that point that Sam made really resonated with so many people because it's so true. No one's forcing your hand to propose in this show. Tim Robards didn't propose to Anna. Nobody has proposed since apart from maybe someone in Bachelor in Paradise. Mm. Like this is not something that is expected of you. Why would you take that moment from someone who just wants it to happen once? Yeah. And when he was asked about this, Blake's answer probably let people down a little bit again. He said, maybe you get caught up in that moment. It's a surreal situation. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in his discussions with producers. Did producers put this to him as something he should do? And did he feel pressured that this was the done thing? Or did he go to producers and say, I've got this great idea, let's make it happen? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think whatever happened, there was a lot of naivety here, a lot. The other rumour that went around as well was that Sam was dumped in a production meeting. So this debate played out in the public eye hugely because both Sam and Blake were talking to reporters disputing each other's version of events. Now, initially in the days and weeks after the finale aired, when Sam spoke to the press, she basically just said that when she was trying to have a conversation with Blake about what was happening within their relationship, he wouldn't get to the point she had to drag it out of him. And this is what she said of that conversation. I actually ended up having to say, what are you trying to say? You don't want to be with me. You want to call off the engagement and just have a relationship Obviously, that's not what he meant at all. But very weirdly, a few months after this mish, Sam also did another interview with Cleo 
and said that she actually found out that he wanted to break up with her during a meeting with the show's producers. Yeah, she told the magazine they were in a meeting to talk about what to expect when the show's finale aired and Blake said, I want to break up with Sam. Now, Blake was compelled to deny these allegations online. He actually tweeted out, just read some lies about me and Cleo. One day the truth will come out. In the meantime, people need to stop using my name to get attention. A couple of things about that. Firstly, it's been, what, seven years? Where is the truth? The truth hasn't come out. But secondly, I think that these main characters here didn't do themselves any favours by constantly talking to the press about what happened. I understand in the days after the finale aired that they were contracted to do some press, so I understand they had to have these conversations. But to keep talking about it, to keep tweeting about it, like all they were doing was reminding people of this drama that no one actually wanted to forget about. I think I agree with you when it comes to Blake Garvey. I think if I was Blake Garvey's manager, I would have said, buddy, oh, leave yeah. it. Do not speak about this again. This was working out great for Sam Frost. No, that's all I mean, though. It's like, in what world does being that person that tweets out, like, reading more lies about myself (laughs) ever work out or look good in a publicity sense? Got a little bit of Tristan Thompson about it when he's like, false news or like fake news on his Twitter account. It's like, buddy, just take a break for a bit. Yeah, it's an interesting decision. And I think one thing about going through this story is I feel like, Were these people at the centre of it able to make some decisions again or go back in time? I feel like different decisions would be made. Now, as we can imagine, the deluge of press around this time would have been hectic for anyone. And I can't imagine what it would have been like for Blake to wake up every single morning and see these headlines. Like, yes, he fucked up hugely and I don't think the media was going to do anything else but report on that. Mm. But being the centre of this storm would have been intense. Yeah, particularly when you're going on the Kyle and Jackie O show and they are trying to kind of catch you out and make you look like an idiot on live radio. Again, if I was Blake Garvey's manager, I would say... Don't go on Kyle and Jackie O this morning because they're about to screw you over. I don't think he would have had a choice. It was the morning after the project interview. This would have all Mm. been contracted with Channel 10. This is going to be the issue, is working out what press he was contracted for and what ones he kind of just did out of the goodness of his own heart. Yeah. If you missed this, if you can't remember, Kyle Sanderlands got Blake Garvey on the show and effectively said to him, you're going to leave Sam Frost a voice message and you're going to apologise. Blake Garvey opted out. He refused to actually do that. So when he left the show, Carl Sanderlands called Sam Frost on air with his own message. He said, we had Blake Garvey here. It's no news to you. Right when it's important for him to do what he's supposed to do, he pulls out. Yeah. I mean, fuck that anyway. If I was Blake, I wouldn't be leaving that voicemail. Mm. Like, fuck indulging Carl and Jackie O. In response to that skit, Sam actually told Today FM that she would have hung up and said, Oh, God, I've already blocked your number. Now I have to block every other number you call off. Mm, Around this time, there was also a subtle narrative in the media that Blake Garvey also couldn't be trusted because he had a history of working in the adult entertainment industry. In the days after the finale, News Limited in particular reported continual details about Blake Garvey's history as a topless waiter and how this could, and I quote, stain his clean-cut image. It's revealed that Despite claiming that he dabbled as a topless waiter for only two years, he's actually the sole owner of Alpha Male Entertainment, Perth's premier non-sleazy male entertainment provider. I think what I found really interesting about this was the insinuation that because he owned some 
adult entertainment company that he also couldn't be genuinely looking mm. for love as if like, oh, well, this explains why he's been such an asshole to her. And it's like these two things are completely mutually exclusive. Yeah, they were trying to leap from like sexy, saucy and a little bit sleazy maybe to like someone who we can never trust and who needs to be dragged through the coals immediately. The Daily Mail really tried to undermine him by also speaking to an ex-girlfriend of his. They published this headline, The X-Files, meet former topless waiter Blake Garvey's ex-girlfriend who was a raunchy lads mag model. Yeah, so they tried to slut shame her to prove that what, he wasn't interested in finding long-term love, that he was a bad boy, that this was always going to happen. It was a confusing narrative. This kind of media coverage really had an impact not just on Blake in the moment but also on his career. So prospective house buyers bombarded Blake Garvey's real estate office at Acton with complaints saying they didn't want him as an auctioneer on their property and that they wanted to kind of sever ties with him professionally because of what was going on in his private life. Yeah, so this was seeping into every every part of his life. Now, here's the weirdest part about what's happening through all this drama is that it takes only about a week or two after the finale airs for rumours about Blake dating Louise Pillage to gain a bit of traction. Welcome back, Louise Pillage. If you guys are wondering, wait, which contestant was that? Our second runner-up, Louise Pillage, the woman who got that first impression rose or whatever it was. Now, a week after the finale aired, photos were shared by the Sydney Morning Herald of a man from behind who looks a lot like Blake Garvey with a blonde woman boarding a plane. Now, they reported that this photo was taken a month prior to the finale ending and the copy from the article read, Is it him? As news broke on Friday that the engagement of the Bachelor Australia contestants Blake Garvey and Sam Frost had ended before the show's finale even aired, a photo emerged of a man looking very much like Garvey caressing another woman as the pair boarded a flight three weeks ago. Yes. And so this is when speculation really started to kick. Sam kind of adds fuel to the fire at this point too. So speaking to the Daily Mail at an event on October 14th. So keep in mind, again, this is like nine or 10 days after Mm. this finale has aired. This is like a big dramatic (laughs) nine or 10 days. She said, I messaged both of them on Friday and I was like, guys, you got to let me know, are the rumours true? And I haven't heard back from either of them. Then, four days after that quote from Sam on October 18, Blake Garvey's mum is the one to confirm that Blake and Louise are together. Andrea Garvey told the Daily Mail Australia, Blake always liked Louise on the show and they got on brilliantly, but it wasn't until after the show when he did one television and radio interview that they grew close. The most important thing is that Blake has found love. So it didn't work out with Sam. She's a lovely girl too, but Louise is more for him. They're getting to know each other in their own time without the pressure of the show. Life doesn't always work out the way you choose. Please, oh please, someone explain to me what went through Blake Garvey's head when he thought, I'm going to let my mum tell the media this. Yeah. What? Like, what? This is what I mean. Like, going back in time, there is just so many things you would do differently, I think, if you were a publicity manager of Blake Garvey. And then on Monday, the 20th of October, this was only two weeks after the finale aired, Louise and Blake reveal in Woman's Day that they are together. But we're going to talk all about that after the break.
All right, Zara, you teased it out before the break. We have a Woman's Day cover that we need to talk about, which is interesting to me that Blake and Louise teed up a Woman's Day cover to announce their relationship. Does Blake's mum speaking to the media damage what I imagine would have been an exclusive contract or an exclusive announcement deal with the magazine? Yeah, I'm in two minds about it. Part of me is like maybe they wanted someone to sort of subtly drop the bomb first so then there were more eyes on the cover Mm. or part of me thinks has she accidentally misspoken to the press I just don't think that would happen I think your first theory is right I think there is a an attitude in Australia that the stuff on the cover of Woman's Day is mostly bullshit if we have quotes from a direct named source in the family saying yes these two are together all of a sudden we give this cover legitimacy we know that inside the cover we're going to get the details we've been craving Maybe this was a masterstroke. Mind you, don't get your mum to talk to the media, please. <laughs> so the cover itself read, yes, it's true, in capital letters. It had a big photo of Blake and Louise, like, grinning, and it took up most <laughs> of the cover. Now, when we were going back to look at this cover, I feel like we're 99% sure it's actually just a photo of them from a date on The Bachelor, but it has been photoshopped to look like a candid couple's pic <laughs> because... It makes sense, though. I'm not sure when these two would have had time to pose for a proper shoot. I mean, Mm. this was two weeks after the finale. Yeah, Blake did reveal in this cover story that he wrote a letter to Louise professing his love for her, which she read just days before the finale episode aired to the world. So when he said on the project interview with Carrie Bickmore that there was no one else and that he was being entirely truthful... That was kind of a lie because he then gives us a timeline that says actually just days before you had professed your love for another contestant. Why? Why, Blake? Why? And then if you're going to tell a lie, keep track of your lies. That's what's confusing about this is it's so many turns. I want to be like, gosh, the media piled on. But at the other turn, I'm like, why did you make this decision? Like, why, why? why did you do that? He wrote in this letter, and this is what he told Woman's Day, My one wish is that I don't want to be your first love. I want to be your first, last and only. Louise, you have my heart. You share my soul. And in my mind, you are the one for me. He also told Woman's Day that he knows that he should never have proposed to Sam. I know that now, but it was such a surreal situation. I never tried to be fake. I tried to be respectful and a gentleman. And that didn't end when the cameras stopped. What also didn't end was the love I felt for Lou and as much as I tried to file it away, it kept growing. I know this is taking us back a beat, but I do have slight red or at least amber-coloured flags in my head when any man professes his love too intently too soon. Like saying, I want to be your first, last and only, you have my heart, you share my soul – instant amber flags in my mind. Like, you haven't even spent much time with this woman. You did the same thing to Sam. Don't tell me I have zero doubts, not a doubt in the world, be my wife forever. It's like that idea of the very, very quick rise, the very intense rise, soon followed by a very sharp fall. Yeah, so this cover also accompanied a short video that the two shot with Women's Day of them sitting on a couch talking about the love letter. It was also interspersed with shots of them strolling on the beach. Now, like, yes, if they want to tell the world about their love, they want to tell the world about their love, but I think they forgot here that there was one person 
that would be looking at this cover and be very hurt by it. And that was Sam Frost. Like there seemed to be a real lack of self-awareness here about how these decisions can hurt other people. So Sarah May Amy, who actually starred in the first series of the show, who was also really close friends with Sam Frost and Lisa Hyde, told AAP at the time that Sam learnt about the couple's romance through the media. She said... He never actually personally picked up the phone and told her. He had thought to write Louise a letter. Why didn't he write Sam a letter? They should have had more respect and decency for Sam and told her earlier and maybe even just sent her a letter or called her before it was all going to come out in the media. Yeah, and as they're making these mistakes, as they're hurting Sam, they're also rushing to tell everyone to forgive them, which also didn't land very well. In that Women's Day interview, Louise said, Australia needs to forgive him. Before this, everyone saw him as a kind, honest, loving man and that hasn't changed. He never said anything bad about Sam. He ended something he knew wasn't right to be respectful. Now, it would be very, very interesting for both Louise and Blake to sit down and read this article and hear their thoughts on it now. You don't come across as respectful just because you ended a relationship. You still owe your ex certain things once that relationship is over, particularly when you met on a national TV show and you publicly broke her heart. Yes. And also there's something that makes me uncomfortable, I think, about the new partner. And this new partner has kind of emerged a fortnight after he was reportedly with the other partner Mm. explaining his decision to break it off. It's like, I think you are so well within your rights to do this interview if that's what you want to do and talk about your love. But I don't know if you should be making any commentary about why the last relationship ended. Yes. I just, it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Anyway, the project re-enters the chat here because the project does another interview, this time with Blake and Louise. So this is Monday, October 20. This was a cash cow for the project. Oh, my God. So for timeline's sake, this is 18 days after the finale aired. So Carrie Bickmore is a busy gal getting these interviews done. (laughs) She's on the Blake Garvey Bachelor Beat. (laughs) She has to travel all the way to Thailand to interview Blake and Louise. Yeah, and Carrie off camera appears to have asked Blake why he didn't say anything about Louise in their first interview, which makes this chat all the more scintillating. Blake Garvey in his interview with Carrie Bickmore seems to put blame onto Sam. He said, I'd been requested by Sam not to mention anything about Louise and to be respectful of Sam's wishes and the whole situation of just doing that. He told Carrie that Sam knew that he had feelings for Louise, knew that they were together, but that she didn't want that out there publicly. Which again, Blake, 2014 Blake anyway, maybe 2021 Blake knows this lesson. Keep track of your lies and make sure that if you're telling lies, someone won't see it who then tells the world that you're telling a lie. It's also one of those things where it's like... It's so not hard, I think, in this scenario to lie down and just take it. Why didn't I mention it? I don't know. I thought it was the right thing to do at the time. It clearly wasn't the right decision. I'm new to this. I didn't want to complicate things. But to blame Sam is just like, who is managing him through this time? Because we're not publicity managers, but this just seems like publicity 101 to just lie down and take this and own your mistakes. That is the only way you're going to win the country back. Also, I feel like Australia is quite a forgiving country. If you give us an apology, 
almost, I would say 9.9 times out of 10, you will be forgiven. But that apology needs to come and it needs to be sincere. Pointing the finger is not something that Australians like. No, Louise says that it was the letter that won her over. So she said, for me, I wouldn't be true to myself if I didn't give this one last try. (laughs) So the story got even wilder from there. Apparently, the first time that Blake and Louise met up again in person was just one week before in Thailand. So Carrie looks very uncomfortable when she learns this fact. She looks like she's almost in pure disbelief and asks the question that everyone at home was wondering. She prompted, so you've only been together properly since last Saturday. Now you're professing your love for each other. Are you again rushing into this too soon? Yeah, and it doesn't help because they announced that not only are they dating, but that Louise is moving all the way to Perth to continue their relationship. Mm. I mean, that has to be a concern for people, right? Even though no one else is part of this relationship. It's like you propose to someone and then change your mind that quickly. If I was dating someone that changed their mind that quickly about an ex, surely you're going into this being like, could he change his mind this quickly about me? Yeah, and also like... What do you mean you love each other that much? It's been a week. Am I weird thinking that you could not possibly have that level of deep feelings for someone? It's a mirage. You have fallen for lust and confused lust for love. Like, yes, you can fall in love quickly. But to say your souls are intertwined when you've spent one week just you and your partner? No. It's definitely lust. You're absolutely right. Now, as we said, the project could not help but add to the drama. They really leaned into this entire saga. And I guess Channel 10 had no choice but to if their finale big love story (laughs) plans had been foiled. The following night, they show footage of Sam and runner-up Lisa reacting to Blake and Louise's interview. It's a bit Gogglebox style, isn't it? So the pair both call bullshit on everything that Blake says. Yeah, Sam turned to Lisa at one point and said, that's the biggest load of shit I've ever heard in my life. Lisa also alleges that Blake reached out to her after he had already gotten back with Louise. She told the program, Blake actually called me after the finale. He asked me if I still had feelings for him and if I could see a future with him. That is wild to me. Fuck. Sam and Lisa forged a pretty iconic friendship through this time. Like, they literally became, like, best friends. They were seen at industry events together. They splashed their friendship all over Instagram. On November 6th, so about a month after this finale aired... They even flew to Vietnam together for a girls' trip on Kentucky. I remember this so well as well. I remember being like, go girls. And also like congrats to whichever PR manager set that up. Now, back to Blake and Louise. We have the happy friendship of Sam and Lisa. But with Blake and Louise, things are still pretty fiery. Yeah, exactly. So the happy press tour didn't entirely work for the couple. People still aren't a fan of Blake. To be honest, I think his popularity is the lowest that it's ever been at this point because now people know that he's strung Sam along knowing that he had feelings for Louise. So a lot of articles called him, I mean, there was one from AAP that called him a double-crossing snake. 
Another one called Blake Garvey 10's best publicity investment. I mean, mm. I wonder what you think about that. As we said, it was terrible for the Bachelor franchise, but incredible for the rest of Channel 10. Well, yeah, you could say that they're right. Maybe it got a whole new audience of people who were there for the drama and the love. We know that the follow-up season, so season three of The Bachelor with Sam Wood in 2015, drew a peak of 2.08 million viewers. So this paid off for Channel 10. This was a big, big show. I mean, I know I enjoyed the show and I loved the show and I watched it, but again, reading those numbers, I'm like, the fall from Grace that this show has had is pretty remarkable. Now back again to Blake and Louise, because we keep seeming to get a bit sidetracked. They ended up breaking up in April 2016. So this was about a year and a half after they got together. And after 18 months of dating, they announced that they had broken up via none other than an exclusive photo shoot in New Idea. And man, oh man, it is so, so bad. This breakup photo shoot, I remember the day this got published in New Idea and being, again, in disbelief that someone would make this particular decision. Like, use the 18 months you're together to at least figure out what you would do differently next time. The fact that your announcement of your relationship was trumped in the terrible publicity stakes by your breakup announcement boggles my mind. So they did an interview with New Idea and did bespoke photos where they were kind of standing a little bit apart, staring off into the distance, looking like two of the most uncomfortable people I've ever seen in front of a camera. Yeah, and their words, he dumped me, were splashed (laughs) across the spread in red. So they're in some random coastal location. There's also sort of big text on another page that says game over. In the interview, Louise says that she had been crying, she's numb, and that she was angry. Blake said that being with her was suffering. <laughs> Blake also blamed the toxic media scrutiny that surrounded their relationship from the get-go. He said, we both tried so hard to make it work, but the negativity that has surrounded us changed us as individuals. Sometimes when you try so hard to make it work, you become nervous about being yourself. We were walking on eggshells around each other, always trying to say the right thing. He also says they went to three months of couples counselling to try and make it work. Three months of couples counselling. I mean, they've only been together for 18. That's one fifth of your relationship. It doesn't really indicate great things, does it? Yeah, I totally agree with you. So Blake and Louise said that they found the whole photo shoot aspect of this announcement really, really awkward, as awkward as the rest of us. And now Blake apparently later wrote on Instagram in a comment that they actually both wished they didn't have to do the photo shoot, but it was a non-negotiable condition of the exclusive deal they cut with New Idea, which absolutely begs the question, why did you take the deal in the first place? (laughs) Well, I'm wondering... How much money was this for? I'm wondering... If this publicity had so negatively affected their professional pursuits and their careers that maybe they needed money and maybe this was alluring enough to them, like the dollar signs they really, really needed at this point in their life so they made decisions that the average person might not have. I don't know, but this is playing a short game, not a long game because, again, this is going to ruin your prospects in making money and having like a credible career. Mm. They did say they wanted to do one exclusive so they could do the interview and then kind of throw the whole sordid story away. Blake again wrote on Instagram, if you listen to the interview, you'd know why. We have learned from past mistakes and the less you say, the more you get hounded and the more fake stories get made up. We've just taken the front foot for 
a change, done one interview with each medium, and now we are done with it all completely. Completely agree with you on the photo shoot, though. Both of us and even the photographer felt awkward. Unfortunately, it was a prerequisite. I completely disagree with him. It is not true that the less you say, the more you get hounded. The more you say, the more people have to kind of perpetually fuel this story. Also, one interview with each medium is heaps of interviews. <laughs> so much. In today's day and age, you actually don't have to do an interview with anyone. They had Instagram. They had huge followings at this point in time. They could have just released a statement on Instagram. Like they actually didn't need to do any interviews. And to be totally honest with you, if you're releasing your own statement via your own platform, you have all the power. Yeah. No one's cutting up your quotes and doing anything untoward with what you're saying. No one's putting, he dumped me over your face. Yeah, exactly. Now, on Today Tonight, which was the TV arm of this publicity breakup tour, Blake did reiterate that persistent public scrutiny that followed their relationship did impact his mental health. He said, I have gone through bouts of depression and I know we've both gone through some acute anxiety. You get looks and you know that you're starting a series of conversations in the room just because you've entered it. That and many other factors make you feel really self-conscious. Yeah, Louise also went on the morning show and revealed that she and Blake were still living together post-split. So they're not romantically linked, but they're still under the same roof. Again, it strikes me as like, if you want to announce to the world that you've split up, that's fine. Why the rush? Why yes. do you need to tell us as soon as your boyfriend and girlfriend, or why do you need to tell us as soon as you're now exes? Give yourself a few months. Let the Whisper Network do its thing where maybe we see a couple of headlines like, are Blake and Louise no longer together? Then confirm it and no one's blindsided, no one's really taken by surprise. And when you're a little bit more at peace with it, like yeah. you're much better off giving these interviews when you're feeling at peace with the decisions that you're made, not in the throes of those decisions. So where are they all now? Blake, unlike other bachelors who have really kind of committed to being part of the public eye, definitely scrubbed his presence off the internet. I mean, it definitely proves people like Lorena Fleur wrong when they said that he was trying to get a TV career out of this. Doesn't seem like he was. He appears to have deleted his public Instagram, Twitter and Facebook accounts. He occasionally makes headlines with rumours about who he might be dating. But to be totally honest with you, we know very, very little about what Blake Garvey is up to now. That is clearly a deliberate choice for him. And I'm kind of happy to just leave him to do his thing rather than kind of dig into the internet to try and work out and expose where he's working or who he might be dating. Absolutely. As for Louise, she also kept a low profile after her breakup with Blake. In 2019 and 2020, she disappeared off of Instagram for several months. She then returned with a new haircut and that made headlines <laughs> for some reason. We believe she currently lives on the Gold Coast and is working for an accounting firm. So again, gone from the bright lights of the entertainment industry back to a very typical normal industry. Yeah, exactly. And Sam Frost, as we touched on at the top of this episode, has definitely had the most public career out of anyone. She went on to be Bachelorette. She chose contestant Sasha. That relationship didn't work out. She went on to host Today FM Breakfast with Rove McManus. She was also on Hell's Kitchen Australia before joining Home and Away. And last year, she and her sister launched a website, Believe, which does aim to raise awareness and provide resources for people suffering with depression. Kind of interesting to look at these three people and realise none of them are 
really in the public eye at the moment, though. We know that Sam is, of course, acting on Home and Away, but she recently deleted her Instagram account because of that anti-vax controversy. So they're pretty hard. Three people who are pretty elusive at this time in history to reach. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's interesting to look back on this story, Mish. Because much like when we wanted to have a conversation about the honey badger on Shameless a couple of weeks ago and think about what have we learned from this, would we have reacted differently and all of those kinds of things, I look back on this story and I think a couple of things. I think there's no way Australia would have acted any differently had it happened today. Like this is just a ridiculous drama that was not helped by the decisions that Blake particularly made in the centre of all of it. Yeah, I think if this was to happen in 2021, I think it would be a more fleeting scandal. It wouldn't have dragged out for quite so long because I think we are more professional or at least The Bachelor is more professional with kind of encircling its arms around its contestants even after the show. Like there's far more management of how contestants deal with social media, about what they say in the press, about how they represent the show long after their contract has ended. I mean, there's even rumours that up to three months after the program airs on television, various contestants can't speak to the media whenever they want to. They need to get approval for it. I'm pretty sure we've even had Bachelor contestants, Sarah. We've had heaps have to get approval before speaking to us. Months after the show airs, you need to get approval for what brands you work with, anything you really do in a public-facing way because what you do reflects one way on the show. And so maybe that rule, the three-month or six-month rule, was brought in as a lesson from the Blake Garvey era that they need more control and this needs to be managed in a more professional way. Yeah, that might be true because I think there was a lot of rogue decisions here. I mean, I also think it would be totally remiss of us to not make comment again on the fact that this was our country's first Bachelor of Colour. I have no doubt that some of the headlines would have been far more aggressive towards Blake because of that. Like, that's just something that we would know to be true. But that said, Blake consistently making terrible decisions that had a knock-on effect that publicly hurt other people like Sam Frost was really hard for people to ignore. Mm, Absolutely. Guys, we cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this scandal, what you were thinking and feeling when it played out, and what you think and feel now that you have seven years of space and time to kind of look back on it. We will be on Instagram, as always, at Shameless Podcast, sharing the throwback gallery Yes, including screenshots of that new idea, breakup photo shoot. Zara, what else? I just think this was so much more wild than I remembered. It was over such a short amount of time and it was just so much more wild than even I remembered. It was nuts. Yeah, it's it's like literally beyond belief, some of the shit that went down in this story. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening. As Mish said, we are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. This episode was researched by Justine Landers-Hanley with help from you and I, Michelle. Andrews and Zara McDonald. <laughs> we will be back in your ears on Thursday for a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, <laughs> each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to 
to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.